Welcome to the Fat Stacks Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Ezoic, which is a high-tech blogging platform where you can increase your ad revenue via ad split testing and increase your site speed with the new Site Speed Accelerate platform. Today, I want to talk about risk, risk and blogging. I'm going to start off with you can't avoid risk entirely in this business. I've done it long enough. I've had enough setbacks despite taking a good number of precautions along the way to realize that I think anytime you start a business, whether it's online or brick and mortar, you're taking on risk. That's the way it is. But at the end of the day, if you work at a job, they're not risk-free either. You can be laid off, fired, whatever. There's no sure thing in this world. So if you're going to get online, be prepared that there are elements of risk. Now, when you start off, your your main risk is the fact that you pretty much have no revenue and you don't have any traffic and really not much going on. And so you're risking your time and you're going to end up, and I'll tell you this right now, you're going to end up risking a lot of your time that you could be doing other things that you may enjoy more, recreational, leisure, whatever. And so over time, you're going to be plugging away you may come to a six-month mark many hours in and still not getting all that great of results. And it's frustrating. And you feel like maybe you've wasted a ton of your time. And this could even go on further. There's there's no guarantee that, that you'll ultimately be able to create a great blog or successful website at any point. However, once you start getting results and start seeing some significant revenue come through, you got a different type of risk. And the risk is loss. And that's what I want to focus on more today. So once once you have revenue and money coming in, what are potential risks and threats to a blog that can happen so that it goes from earning very good money down to zero and what you can do to avoid that. So I also want to talk about acceptable risks that I think are worth doing and when to do them and how to mitigate them. So let's, let's start off with, with your main risks. Once, once you have revenue and you're, you're getting good online business going on. Okay. The first one is uh, link building. All right. It's a risky business. Now there are ways you can go about it so that it's not as risky as other ways. All right. Now I'm not a link builder. I don't, I don't do this except for attracting links naturally from other sites. It's not that I don't want links. That's ridiculous. Links still help with SEO from other sites. It's an important part of the process. I just prefer to be patient and let other sites naturally link to me, and that seems to work. But you really do need to be patient. This is not the fast way to grow a site, all right? And that's why a lot of SEOs build links. They go out, they do guest posts, they pay for links on other sites, they do commenting, They maybe buy other sites or build other sites to link to their existing site, so on and so forth, and they build links these ways. And in my opinion, you're increasing the risk. Now, you can go about it very, very smart to try not to be detected by any of the sort of the Google algorithms for this type of unnatural link building. But again, there's no guarantee. One misstep, it could wipe out the whole thing, and your site suffers a penalty. So that's a huge, huge risk because once you get that penalty, it's hard to have it lifted. And a penalty can knock a site going, you know, earning significant amounts of money to earning pretty much nothing. So you, it can wipe you out very, very quickly. However, I think there 
are instances where link building is, is not a bad approach. Okay, now, if, if you have a monster site, like, for, my, for instance, in my income reports, there's site number one that I feature in the income reports. It's my biggest niche site. It earns 40 plus thousand dollars a month. Now, I'd be an absolute fool to ramp up the risk for that site at this point because I have a really good thing going on. Why, why would I risk it? There's no point. There's no need. It's it's slowly growing over the years and it continues to grow. I'd be an idiot to do that, okay? But I do have other smaller sites and if, and if I were prepared to take this risk, one of my other sites or a few of my smaller sites probably are good candidates to elevate the risk because I, I really don't have much to lose. I don't earn very much. I haven't put a lot of time and money into them. And let's say I come up with a good idea where just need a few links or maybe 50 links or something like that to really propel the site up to earning, let's say, 5000 bucks or 10000 bucks a month. It's probably worth doing. And whether I'll do it or not, I, I doubt it. Uh, I tend to just like what I'm doing, and that's just publish content and be patient. But I can totally appreciate somebody who really wants to get this going. So my point is this. If you're just starting out that's that's when you can take on the risk, right? You don't really have anything to lose. It's just more to gain. So it's kind of like investing, you know, when you're younger. The common knowledge is invest in, you know, higher growth, higher risk investment options because you got a long time to ride it out, right? If you, if you go all in stocks, maybe you go in all in tech stocks and it suffers a huge dip five years down the road, but you're not going to need that money for retirement, say, for 40 years. Well, chances are it's going to rebound and continue growing, and that's going to be the long-term prospect. And in the long run, you're going to earn a much better return than if you put it into bonds, for example, right, or dividend stocks where you want the income. So uh, I think the same thing applies to building sites. If you've got a new site and you're just getting started, you could stomach some risk because you don't have a lot to lose. If, you ha- if you've built up a big, thriving online business and you've got lots of money coming in from a, a site or two, probably not a good time to amp up the risk because, well, why should you? You've got a lot to lose and probably not going to gain a whole lot. I mean, like with my biggest site, there's over 4,000 inbound uh, referring domains to it. That, you know, So if I go and get another 50, it, if I did it very strategically and in a smart way, I probably would, would benefit really, really nicely. But I don't think the benefit would warrant the amount of risk because I could have the whole site penalized and lose a massive, massive asset. Another part, uh, another type of risky behavior in this business, and this isn't talked a whole lot and about a whole lot, and that is promoting only one affiliate merchant. Okay, so you're in affiliate marketing and you're building a site, and the site's rather focused, and you're focusing on a particular product line and or a particular product or something. And so the whole thing is geared toward fo- uh, promoting one product or one merchant. Okay, it's not it's not a terrible strategy, especially if it's a lucrative arrangement with you, and it can work really well, and, and it's done all the time. But the problem is this: is what happens if if you you're pretty much 100% dependent on that merchant and revenue, and the merchant can change the terms of the affiliate relationship at any point. Okay, and this is happening. I'm talking about p- from personal experience here, big time. Okay, so they could they could chop your commission in half. They could eliminate the affiliate program altogether, and that leaves you scrambling. That means you got to find a replacement, and that's not so easy to do if all your content's geared around a particular a particular brand, right? So, I mean, I've had this. I had a site doing very very well. It's uh, site number two in the income reports. It still does well, uh, but the main 
merchant that I promoted as an affiliate cut the recurring commission from 35% to 20%. That's almost 50% knockdown. Now, 20% is still well worth it for me, and it still performs well, but you know, I, I went down from roughly nine to $10,000 a month down to about $5,500, $6,000 a month. So it was a, it was a huge hit, all right? So this can happen, and that, that was a good learning experience for me to realize, hey, I, you know, it's smart to be promoting two, three, or multiple affiliates. Now, this can also apply to if you have a site that's focused on just promoting Amazon, uh, now, there's a lot of products on Amazon, obviously, and a lot of brands that you could promote and be diversified in that nature. But at the end of the day, Amazon can kind of be like Google AdSense, and they'll just ban your account if they think that you you know, violated the terms of service. Maybe, maybe you did, maybe you don't. But it's pretty hard to appeal these things, and it's a hassle, and it can be, uh, you know, it can be a huge setback. And so if you just promote Amazon, you have elevated your risk rather than, say, promoting, like, say, Walmart and Amazon. Walmart has a lot of uh, products that you could promote as well. So I'm not saying don't do it because I think in some instances and for some sites, you, you really don't have any choice but stick with one affiliate merchant or brand that you promote. But if you can and there are options, promote everything because or multiple brands because that's a way to mitigate your risk. The third uh, form of very high risky behavior as a blogger, and if you use display ads, is taking chances or risk with AdSense, okay? AdSense is the Google ad network. A lot of bloggers get started with it. You apply, you get approved, you throw some code in your site, you get display ads, and they generally can do fairly well. There's better ad networks that you can get into, but that's, that's a whole other topic. But generally, almost any ad network you use is going to be incorporating Google AdSense ads or ads via Google because, after all, the uh, whole Google ad platform via Google ads that the advertisers pay for, that's probably the biggest source of bidding in advertisers online. So if you're using display ads, Google ads are showing up, all right? And what that means is you've you got to take steps to make sure you're not putting your Google ads at risk. If Google doesn't like your site for some reason and they stop showing their ads on your site, that's pretty much the death of a display ad site. Okay, Even if you're in via another network, your your ad revenue is going to plummet. And some ad networks will just say, well, you've been kicked out of, you know, Google's not showing ads anymore on your site, so we're done. So know the terms of how to display Google ads. Now, if you use Google AdSense, read their terms of service and follow it very, very carefully. If you use an ad network that incorporates Google Ads, talk to your rep about whether you're compliant. If you, if you have any question, I do this all the time. If you have any question at all about uh, a placement or a type of ad or something on mobile or anything, and you're just not sure if it's right, ask. If you're in an ad network, your reps are there to help you out. Now, this obviously doesn't mean you're, you're bulletproof, but they say, oh yeah, I think, I think you're good. That doesn't mean that you're good, but it helps, all right? And so even if you use ad networks, get to know the, the AdSense terms of services because uh, it's good It's good to know that because you may just want to follow those regardless. Now, some ad networks get exceptions, right? Like for an example is with Google AdSense, you can't use a sticky ad, uh, a Google AdSense sticky ad in your sidebar, for instance, right? This, you're just not allowed, so don't do that. But if you use a lot of Google ad networks like Zoic, 
they have a relationship with Google, and somehow, I don't know how, how this works, but they're able to display Google Ads in a sticky unit in the sidebar, and that's okay. So there, sometimes there are exceptions to the rule, but again, ask if you're not sure. Another bit of uh, risky behavior, and this can be very, very risky as well, especially once again if you use display ads and there's Google Ads showing on your site, and that is buying really low-cost, low-quality traffic. I, sh I should focus on low-quality because you can still get good quality traffic at a low cost, okay? But if it, if it sounds too good to be true, it, it really is in the whole buying traffic. Like, you're not going to get Facebook traffic for super, super dirt cheap, all right? You, if somebody says they can get you a thousand visitors to your site for for a dollar of U.S. traffic, that's too good to be true. All right, that means it's garbage traffic, and garbage traffic can put your ads at risk big time. So you really want to avoid it. So just if you're going to buy traffic, buy it from really solid sources. It has to be real, legitimate traffic, and best usually from. Canada, United States, Europe, these are, the, these are your better traffic sources. And the last bit of risky behavior to avoid with your website, and this really pertains if you're just starting out as well as to anybody who's been doing this for a long time, that's to avoid publishing really garbage content. It's just not going to get you ahead. Now, I'm not saying you have to write PhD thesis quality stuff for every article. In fact, a lot of content shouldn't be like that. As far as I'm concerned, some people just want the basics when they're searching for information about something. They don't want to read an 8,000 word tome on some topic. All right. Wikipedia does that well. I love Wikipedia, but there are a lot of times I will intentionally not go into Wikipedia when I'm looking for a bit of information because I don't really want to have to wade through 8,000 words to look for just some one little thing, right? So there's a lot of sites out there that maybe they, they publish 1,100 words on a topic, but they do a really nice job. It, it's in layperson's terms. It answers to questions. Bang, I'm in, I'm out, I got what I needed, and so on. So the point is, is to really focus on delivering the content that you, your audience will appreciate the most. Okay, and that means you know at least at the very least it's well written, it's grammatically correct, it's uh, no no uh, spelling mistakes. I'm a, I'm a hypocrite when I say that because uh, Fat Sacks is littered with spelling mistakes, which which probably boggles your mind given this day of an age of spell check and all the rest of it. But anyways, my bad. It's it's a problem I have. I, I tend to do better on my niche sites because I have writers that actually do that, and they tend to do a better job. I write the fat stack stuff, and well, I make mistakes. The point is, make good content. Don't try to get by with really lousy content because it's in the long run, it's just not going to pay off. And again, you don't have to pay twenty cents a word either, but avoid the one cent a word stuff. Go somewhere in between, you know, three at the very low end cents per word I find between five and eight cents a word will get you actually quite good content well researched nicely written personable that sort of thing it'll pay off in the long run believe me I've, I've done this long enough to, to really have figured this out now let's talk about acceptable risks I've already alluded to this if link building is something you're into and you like the idea of really speeding up link uh, search results and traffic and revenue and all that, do it early in a site. Or if you have a large established site and you don't want to put that site at risk, just start another site and do it on there. And that can be your, your guinea pig site. Blast away. Hammer that thing. I mean, 
if you're not making any money on it and you haven't put a lot of money into it, why not take a chance? It's a good case study. You probably learn a lot, right? Even if it goes down in flames, uh, you start another one. Like one of the th- great things about this business, we could we could fire up a site in literally an afternoon, right? Register a do- domain name, hook up the hosting, slap on a WordPress theme, bang! You can if you've already pre-ordered your content, you could have 10, 20 articles in there in a couple of hours. Boom! You got a site. Start the link building process right out of the gates. See what happens. And if it goes down, well, so be it. You scrap the site, do another one, you're not out a whole lot of money. If you've got a big site earning 10, 20, 30, 40,000 bucks a month, really do think twice about amping up the risk. Why would you? You got a good thing going. Just go straight white hat and grow the thing slowly. That, anyways, that's, that's my two cents worth there. Now, another aspect to this whole business I want to talk about, which, well, risk maybe, I don't know, to me it's risky, is the whole concept of partnerships, all right? I I know a lot of people uh, own sites in partnership with other people, and I think it could be a great deal, and I think partnering with people can work out really well, especially with uh, two people or three people uh, bringing different things to the table. You can get more done, you can probably grow faster, but here's the thing, here's something to keep in mind. Consider if it's all possible to keep your partnerships restricted to certain parts of the business rather than just a general partnership of everything, right? Because that can get messy, right? Let's say you got a partnership and over time you've, you've, you've all been built up four or five sites and let's say somebody wants out. What are you going to do? You got to divvy the whole thing up. And that's a drag, right? You know, somebody's going to have to buy somebody out or you might have to sell a site or two in order to come up with the cash gets very, very messy. So if you're going to partner, try to restrict your partnerships to the very specific projects, and then your other stuff can remain separate from that. You just want to specify that with the proper agreements of what you're actually partnering on, and the other stuff remains totally separate. Anyways, that's that's my two cents on that. I've done partnerships in the past. I've always kept them to very specific things. It may have been to a particular site. It may have been to a, uh, a project that lasted for a very specific duration of time, that sort of thing. I've never done anything where it's become a partnership of everything. I don't have a partner. I would never take on a partner. I'm not interested in that, I think. Um, Except for you know very specific purposes, uh, it's just not a, a structure I'm particularly interested in at all. All right, finally, how to mitigate overall risk. All right, because if you're in this business, you've taken on risk. Period. Right? We don't control Google. We don't even Google play has a lot of risk. I mean, there could be a better search engine tomorrow. Maybe it's being developed right now. We don't know. A better search engine comes out and does a better job than Google. Google's done. And it wouldn't take long, right? Google kicked Yahoo in the teeth years ago. Yahoo was the search directory. Clearly, it wasn't as good as it as it could or should have been because Google came along with a better algorithm. I don't even know if Yahoo even used an algorithm. And that, that's, that was the end of the Yahoo search, all right? So Google's, everything online is at risk. Facebook, lots of risk. Does really well today, but... Eventually, maybe everyone's going to just cancel their accounts and go to something else, and that's the end of Facebook. So any business online has a lot of risk. We don't control Google traffic. We don't control Pinterest traffic. We don't control the cost of just, uh, buying traffic all that much. So there's risk. So how can we, how can we mitigate that? Well, there's really boils down to this, and that's trying to diversify to some extent, okay? 
Now, there is there are good arguments for focusing on one site and one site only and making it the number one site in your niche or vertical. There, there's lots of strong arguments for that. If you're willing to take on the, the higher level of risk that comes with focusing on one site and building it as good as possible, by all means, go for it. Because I wouldn't want to dissuade anybody from being able to create something absolutely spectacular just because there was a bit more risk attached to it, okay? But... If you don't like the idea of having risk or you want to you want to minimize your risk, one one approach is to diversify by having more than one site. So instead of just focusing everything on one site, you maybe have two or three sites, build them up, and maybe have three sites earning $10,000 a month rather than one site earning $30,000 a month. If one site of the three goes down, you still have a viable business. If one site, when you only have one site, goes down, you're done. You're out of business, right? That's actually, ironically, my, my situation right now is I'm really pretty heavily <laughs> dependent on one big site, and it's not a really good position to be in. So for 2020, I'm actually making a big push into uh, building up a couple of my other sites. I think they're they're ready to go. It's going to take a year or two, I think, to really see some good traction because this stuff takes a long time since I don't build links or anything like that. But I sure would feel more comfortable if I had a few sites earning in the whole you know 25000 plus per month uh, arena. The other thing to keep in mind is once you start uh, generating some decent profits and revenue from your sites is maybe consider alternative investments, all right? Yeah, it, it's yes, you want to reinvest in your online business, order more content, hire some more help. Build, 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 build. It's easy to do, especially once you have systems and it's sure an attractive approach with any profits that you have because, well, who doesn't want to build their online business bigger than it is? I mean, I do this. I reinvest quite a bit every month, and I don't plan to stop. But you don't want to completely ignore alternative investments either. This is sort of where the retirement planning comes in. It's like people with a job, right? They don't just focus on their job. They take what they earn, and they put it into various retirement vehicles and investments and so forth. Well, it's the same thing with working online, right? Fortunately, when you work online, we can potentially sell our sites, which in a way is, is kind of a retirement. depends how big you grow them. So that's nice. We actually get paid at the end and decide to sell something. can't do that with a job. But at the same time, it doesn't hurt to actually invest in whatever investment vehicles you want, be it real estate, stocks, invest, um, equities, bonds, so on and so forth. Uh, I'm certainly no financial advisor, but you know it's pretty easy to talk to someone uh, about what the best thing to do. The point is, is don't just put all your money back in online. Eventually, you want to take some of those profits and invest them somewhere else. And the other thing is, is if you're working now, okay, and you have online income coming in, that's awesome. At some point, you're faced with a decision. Do you quit your job or do you keep your job and keep trying to grow your online business? That's a hard thing to do because both can take, obviously, a lot of time and you only have so much time. And if you're in a position where you don't like your job at all, obviously, you're going to want to jump ship and focus online. Um, but what, that can be risky, right? I mean... You, you want to you want to be careful when you quit your job because you may not be able to get a job again so quickly in case you have to. Again, it depends on what your job is. And the one nice thing of working and having online revenue is you, you're probably in a position where you can reinvest pretty much all the money you make online back into your business. So you can outsource a lot of content, maybe get a lot, of, lot done without having to put a lot of time into it. Whereas if you quit your job, you don't have that salary or income, 
and you may not have any money left over for reinvesting back in your business. So there is a cost to that. Now, I appreciate a lot of people don't like their work. That was maybe an impetus for getting started online in the, in the, in the first place and are just itching to quit, and so be it. But I'm just saying, you know, it, it can be, you elevate the risk, your financial risk big time when you when you bail on the safety of a job. Just make sure you're in a good position. You can write out any problems. You have savings. Uh, and uh, it's really nice to know if you're able to jump back into your, your industry if need be. Um, but that's not always the case either. Anyways, it's something to consider um, if you're at the crossroads where you need to think about quitting the job and focusing online. So you're blogging. You're starting an online business. Uh, if you're doing it sort of like as a side hustle, hobby type thing, not a whole lot of risk other than your time. And and maybe you're just really enjoying it. You're just doing it for kicks and fun. That's great. Eventually, it'll probably turn into some form of a business. Lots of people have started hobby sites where they just blog about stuff that they're interested in. They start getting a few hundred thousand visitors a month, and they're like, whoa, this could actually be lucrative. That's fantastic. Uh, you know, and I mean, I'm not kidding when I say this. A lot of great sites have come about just from people who just started them for fun. And so you, when you get to the point where it's a business rather than just a hobby, that's where the risk comes in, right? Because you're probably going to put more money into it, more time into it. It becomes a serious endeavor. If you quit any job to run it, you, you've elevated the risk again. So take the steps to minimize the risk. If you're going to take on really risky behavior, do it earlier rather than later or on newer projects. And at the end of the day, do not do risky behavior with your AdSense ads or your Google ads anywhere because if you lose that, you know, you can't use them on other sites either, right? You lose that account, you lose that ability, it can potentially mean you can't use those ads on any site, and that's a really bad position to be in. Thanks for listening.